How's your water with rocks in it? It's actually not bad. Do you like the mineral taste that it gives you? Is that what that is? (laughs) It's rocks in a glass of water. Yeah, I mean, it's it's fine. If someone walks in here, they're going to think you're drinking straight tequila or vodka vodka or something gin on the rocks yeah i'm not i'm not that much of a savage no although we should do an episode where we just drink and just turn the mic on and turn the mic on and we have a bottle between us of jack daniels we just gotta fucking jack daniels (laughs) it could be something else that's what came to mind first and And we have to finish that in the hour it doesn't have to be an hour but the podcast can't finish until it's gone okay and that's not fair for me, though, because I would, I would be exponentially drunker than you are. It'd be a sloppy podcast. It may be our best one, though. People might say. Yeah, I mean, I don't know. We did it with the Coco Locos in Mexico. On what podcast? No, we didn't do a podcast. I'm just saying like. Uh, oh, yes. Yeah. Yes, we, we did that. Yeah. And but it wasn't recorded. So that's true. We don't know if it was. <laughs> it might have been, been gold. good or terrible. That could have been gold. It might have been. All right, this weekend or the last weekend was the Worlds, yeah. 2019, held in California, Irvine, Irvine, California. This is um, has it been going on for 20 years now? Maybe a little more than that. A little bit more. Yeah, maybe 25. And this, would you say, is is it the biggest gi tournament? Oh, absolutely. Hands down. I wouldn't say it's the toughest tournament. I would say it's the biggest tournament. Okay. What is the biggest tournament? Well, I mean, the biggest tournament is the Worlds, but the toughest tournament, I think, I think there's a lot of, um, there's a lot of talent and potential and great, great, like raw, you know, able fighters in, in, in Brazil that just can't afford to fly to America, get a passport, get a visa and compete, stay here for a week. So I think there's a lot of talent that gets lost that way so would you say the what's the biggest brazilian tournament i would i would say like the brazilian nationals would be i think the toughest because you'd fight so many people that you don't know that are super super tough and and you can't prepare for them you know they those are people that will come out of the woodwork to fight because they don't it doesn't cost as much as the worlds or pans do the big names from around the world come to the Brazilian? Um, every national? once in a while, yeah. I don't. I wouldn't say that the whole roster comes out. I mean, those guys are usually aiming for um, for the worlds. Um, the the people that are trying to get like the Grand Slam, you know, where they win like Europeans, Brazilian nationals, and then Pans and Worlds. Like if they want to do the Grand the Grand Slam, they'll show up. I know that Marigali was there this year. I think he took it this year at his weight. Now, as we start this episode, I need to. Well, first of all, I'm Andrew Desimone. And Coretta Gracie. You know, we're getting better. We're just, we're introducing ourselves <clears throat> earlier on. Well. The next level will be we introduce ourselves at and, an appropriate time. Right. And, and you know, maybe throw out like the, might as, since it's awkward, you might as well throw out the email now. If yeah. You know what? Let's just, 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 let's throw a yeah. wrench in this whole show yeah. right now. Um, you can email us <laughs> at justjujitsupodcast at gmail.com. Bef- oh, yes. So the disclaimer. I don't know a lot about the whole professional scene of jujitsu. I've been getting into it more lately, and so this will be a fun episode for me because when this happened, Worlds, I basically I texted you and said, "Tell me what I need to watch because right. there's 
endless hours of footage. Oh, yeah. And I would rather chew on glass <laughs> than watch all those hours of the footage. So you gave me a nice snapshot. You said, here are the things you should look at. And that's what I did. So as we go through this, you will be speaking from a much more educated point. I will be talking from the guy who's just sitting in the stands, starting to get names, starting to uh, understand more of the dynamics, which it'll be interesting as we go through the fights for you to tell me the context of the people who were fighting. Because to me, a lot of these people, I, some of the names like Keenan and some of those big names, I know, Bruno, but I don't know the dynamics and the history. Well, to it, if, it, if it makes you feel any better, it's like chewing glass for me too. Wow, so even, <laughs> it's too bad that. And I'm, I'm a sadist, so I will watch. I, I'm not done quite done yet, I'm about 80% through. I will watch every match in the Mundials. Not just the black belts, but every match. How many hours do you think you've watched so far? Oh, um, I mean, it ended Sunday. I think I'm, I want to say like 24 hours in. Wow. So it was Thursday through Sunday. Yeah. Do you stream it on your phone when you're at work? Is it just in the background? Yeah. I mean, if I'm, if I'm not doing anything, I'll, I'll, I'll pull it up and, and watch it, you know. Um, the first couple of days, is that all the lower belts? Yeah. Like white, it, go, it goes, you know, you have the whites, blues, purples, brown, the, the girls, guys. And then. Um, it's usually Friday, Saturday, Sunday. Those are the best days. You get the brown belts, the the black belts, and then the finals or semifinals and finals on Sundays. To be in the worlds, if you're under brown belt, you don't have to qualify, do you? No, you just sign up and, and go. So do they have enormous brackets for they, those belts? You know, I, I don't know if they're officially capping it. Um, I remember the, the last time I competed at the worlds was 2010 or 2011, maybe eight years ago. Um, I, I was a... A purple belt maybe brown i think it was a brown belt might have been a brown belt i don't know i just saw a facebook like memory thing so like that's what it reminded me but anyways i remember that year they had like 800 competitors at a blue belt like in one of the blue belt brackets and they split them into like it was like nine brackets or 10 brackets of you know like so many people and each champion of that bracket would then form a new bracket to find out who's the champion of that belt so i don't know if they if they if if one, they're still allowing that many competitors, and two, if there's a official cap, or they just say, you know what, screw it, we've hit a mark, it's over, you know, um, because I haven't competed at the world since then, so I, I don't know. Has it grown a lot in the past nine years? Oh, absolutely. Um, it's grown um, almost, you know, symbiotically with the amount of gi manufacturers and uh, jiu-jitsu-related you know paraphernalia you know if you see like people clothing brands gi brands you see workout gyms like crossfit gyms and sponsoring athletes now um vaping little you know whatever the fuck those things are oh, like the uh, vaping pens yeah the, the the vape pens or whatever they are mm -hmm. um sponsoring athletes now you know so it's gotten a lot bigger because the market for professional athletes has gotten bigger okay so it's easier for a guy who's a blue belt who wants to eventually open his own school to get in there, compete at the Worlds, and, and keep continue competing throughout you know, the whole time. We should have we should have sponsored Worlds. We should have looked into sponsoring. Yeah, just jiu-jitsu. Just jiu-jitsu. I wonder how much it costs to get our, our, our patch. Or if we get got a patch on someone, like a big name, what do you think it costs to get a big name to put your patch on? Sadly, sadly... Uh, a lot of those sponsors aren't paying money. <laughs> a 
a lot of the, the jiu-jitsu sponsors they'll give you free gear you know that's why the the bigger names you see guys like gordon ryan or keenan or others where they'll, they'll say no don't don't bother reaching out for sponsorships unless it's paid because you know get free, free i, I have enough yeah <laughs> you know so it's, it's like okay it's another gi wonderful you know yeah, guys, I, I can't eat geese. I need I need something to purchase food. Please. Right, it doesn't pay for the fly costs and hotels and training and supplements and all that. So, and we don't really have anything free we could offer them because our episodes are already free. We could. Oh, what if we said, "Hey, if you let us sponsor you, we'll give you personalized episodes that only you get." Like the Wu Tang Clan released an album, and only one, it, just one album that one person purchased, and. That person has it, and no one else has heard it. Well, some people have heard it, but it wasn't mass released, so we could tell whoever's wearing our patch. <laughs> These episodes were Are made for you. Only for you. Only for you. And even on it, we'll be like, hey, Keenan, how you doing today, buddy? Hope everything's going well. And he might like that personalized. Yeah, I, you message. know, that, that might be a market to get into. I'll, I'll find a way to reach out to him and his people, <laughs> all the big names. <laughs> See who bites. Yeah, or they could put our logo on something there, but then I'd have the dilemma of do we use our regular guy with the belt over his shoulder, or do we use one of the pictures I photoshopped, and then just put like just jujitsu caption over it? Most definitely, you're going to use the logo. (laughs) No, because think about you're watching watching these fights, and your eyes all of a sudden dart over because you don't notice as much the guy with like the starry night in front of him and he has his belt over his shoulder you're like yeah that's kind of cool but you, you drift off you immediately go to the very tanned muscular woman but maybe man with like legs kicked up in the air yeah we're picture not, i photoshop we're, we're, we're not doing that <laughs> <laughs> if if i had money to just throw oh, i'm so glad you don't <laughs> i say that in the kindest way <laughs> <laughs> that would be funny all right well all joking aside so worlds they happened now you asked me right when we sat down before we turned the mics on what did i think and you said it's like chewing cracked glass <laughs> well, well okay uh, before that yeah. oh okay i understand why people who don't watch jujitsu would see that and just say this is so boring because yeah. man it's when you see two people who know so much competing it's shut down shut down shut down protect yourself, protect yourself, protect yourself because each person has, each person's dangerous. Each person can do a ton of damage with just a little window opening. So someone watching who doesn't know jujitsu goes, this is a self-defense. This is how you protect yourself. This looks crazy. Couldn't I just stand up and walk around him? Couldn't I just kick him? Not knowing what goes into it. I think the true demonstration would be if each competition they said, all right, now we're going to have someone from the audience come out and you roll with this black belt. Right. And then the black belt who they were watching earlier going, man, these guys are fucking boring. Right. That black belt proceeds to, in two seconds, just... Destroy them. Murder yeah. them. <laughs> that, so, yeah, that is the disadvantage with the high levels. It, I, I'm not taking anything away from the people. They know a ton. They're dangerous. Oh, absolutely. But it just is so, hard to watch so, sometimes. You know, I was thinking about that while I was waiting for you to get here. You know, um, in, in MMA, when you watch MMA and you're like, man... You're not looking for the mismatch. You're not looking for the like the one punch knockout. You know, you're you're looking for these guys to like, like duke it out, grind it out, and go. You know, five rounds of five minutes. You know, be a battle, and somebody eventually comes out. You know, victorious. 
in jiu-jitsu, two guys that are evenly matched looks, like you said, very, very boring. In jiu-jitsu, it's much more fun to watch the mismatch. You know, the, mm-hmm. the brown belt, that's pretty much a black belt, getting the, you know, the brand new belt still stiff brown belt and just smoking them. Like, that's so much more entertaining, mm-hmm. but it's a mismatch in that case, right? The people who are really into the whole scene, I see why it'd be interesting because with a lot, you, when you start to know each person's story and the history of this person competing against that person before, and now they're going against each other again, this person's been retired for a while, now they're back, that builds up. So you have like higher stakes, but when you're just coming into it and you walk in and you don't know either person, you just sit there and you miss a lot of stuff because you're just watching two people who are... Very good at what they do. They're good at what they do. And they they know that any person who flinches and shows a weakness, that's it. They're dead. Right. So before we hop into specific matches, what was your overall take of so, the tournament? So, you know, I'm going to throw this out there because I keep saying it and people don't believe me. Um, you know, I, I like I said, I, I watch vast majority of those matches, even the ones that are super boring. Um, generally speaking at the highest level when you look at the guys that were competing as black belts that made it past the first day nobody turtled or at least um not voluntarily um meaning everybody else that lost that didn't make it that far they turtled at some point in their match um of course there's gonna be exceptions i'm sure somebody's gonna find an exception somebody who turtled and won but Best, you know, speaking like the vast majority of people, if they turtle in a match to not give up the three points, they instead give up four from the back and then they usually end up getting choked. So um, first takeaway is don't turtle. It just doesn't doesn't help you. Why is there a, such a disconnect between the trend of turtling and then you saying don't turtle? Like where what are they not getting? So, you know, if somebody passes your guard. So so here, let me let me start over. Um when I do seminars, the most commonly asked question is, I'm stuck in bottom of side mount. How do I get out? At all levels, from white to black. Um, and, and because escaping side mount is incredibly tough. Incredibly tough. Very minimal effort from the guy on top can keep you, can keep a very good guy stuck at the bottom. I mean, it, it's it's a very sticky situation. So in, in jujitsu, it, for a while, if you turtled, it's no points for passing your guard, and you felt a little bit more mobile. It's comfort comfortable to be in turtle versus being pinned in the bottom of the side, right? So um, the the rule set kind of guide poorly guides the the competitor to turtle. If you turtle, there are no points, and you get to be in this comfy space, right? Yeah. The problem is when to, that rule set was created. There's there are only so many back takes. There are only so many back attacks. Today, there are ten times the number of back attacks. There's you know twenty times the number of back takes. You see guys like Felipe Pena taking back from like you know fifty fifty. You see guys uh, you know not even passing the guard, just bearing boloing to the back. So the back has become a much more you know accessible and 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 vulnerable position than it was before the rule set has not adapted that so basically the rule set says if you turtle and go to your to your safe space to your comfy zone we'll we'll wave the four the three 
and you might be exposed to the fourth, to the four, right? So it's, it, the, I think the competitor mentality is, I'm either guaranteed to lose three or potentially give up four. And most people take that gamble and the people that take that gamble, generally speaking, lose the match. Okay. That, so that's why Yeah. in competition, people do that. Yeah. I don't, I don't really care for the turtling thing, but anyways, so that, that's one thing, um, generally speaking, as far as trends go, if, if somebody turtles, they lose. I also saw, um, even earlier on in the black belts, I saw a lot of, um, strategy being played like rule rule manipulation and learning to to work the system to benefit you which is something that didn't happen as often in earlier belts and now you see it in blues and purples in brown belts um which which is a little bit of a problem i think i mean they're playing the game and i and i know what i know why they're doing it and i get it but jujitsu should be more about submitting somebody than working the system you know mm-hmm. um and then the, the good things I did see, though, were the more um, experienced athletes were still able to, for the most part, outperform or survive the younger generation coming up who are better trained, better supplied, you know, who have more footage to study. Um, they're able to kind of survive it off. Technique was, of course, always at a at a highest level. There were some really cool transitions from some really cool people. Um, the armbar is still armbar and, and uh, triangles are and toe holds are still the, the biggest submissions in gi tournaments. So, so it's cool to see that trend still there. All right. So we'll go through and we're going to say, I'm going to ask you some questions. What was your favorite match? My this year? favorite match? Yeah. As far as the girls go, one of my favorite girls to watch is Jazari Mathuda. Um, I, hopefully I said that right. If I didn't, I'm sorry. Uh, but uh, she she's fun to watch because she doesn't really necessarily i'm sure she cares about winning but she's coming to beat you Mm -hmm. and a lot of a lot of people competing are coming not to let you beat them you know and i think it's a slightly different attitude so her matches are always fun full of scrambles full of nice transitions good attacks um i really enjoyed keenan versus marigali this year uh, Mary Galli was one of the standouts for me i really enjoyed watching him him and uh Kanyan, which uh, Kanyan, Kanyan, however you say it, um, I really enjoyed watching him too. He was a uh, first year as a black belt. Um, it was it was cool to see his matches. A lot of talent. Um, that was I. That was one of the ones I watched was the Keenan and Marigali. Marigali one. Yeah, I did enjoy that. It was fun. Marigali was towards I think it was the last two minutes that one became even more uh, active. He kept like rolling and spinning to try to attack uh, something attack something because i think right. at that point he was he was down maybe yeah so he actually he actually had the match in the first minute and a half of that fight i thought keenan had no idea what he was walking into because here comes this marigali kid this brazilian what's, guy what's his story is he you know around I, for I, a very I, long? I don't know where he's where where he trains um uh, you know I, I haven't he's new to the scene probably been around for about a year and a half now maybe two years um i'm sure he's competed before then but he's only popped up on the radar about a year and a half to two years ago um i started watching him a little bit more seriously once he won the brazilian nationals um the the last time it happened and he he's one of these guys man he's super aggressive he's strong he's confident you know comes out always thinking that he's going to win the match 
and usually he does. Usually he's right. Um, great De La Hiva guard, great you know open guard. Um, of he's, course, he spent the first man, maybe the first I think three or four minutes just trying to pass Keenan's guard, and he was. It was it was fun to watch him for the right, passes. They were right. hard passes. He was really trying, which was why it was interesting because you know he's got a you know uh, Marigali. He's got a good Delahiva, good open guard, you know, and obviously he's a huge dude. He gets on top of you. It's not going to be fun. Keenan has a very good open guard too, more on the warm and lapel style, of, but still an open guard. So it was interesting that both of these guys who are very favorite, you know, very heavily favorite guard, neither of them pulled. You know, if you look at that match, I think uh, I think uh, Marigali actually initiated a takedown. Keenan fell, and I don't think Keenan could recover fast enough. I think Keenan, I think Keenan's experience is what saved him because at one point he got taken down. Marigali's inside mount with uh, with Neon Belly, and Keenan was able to feed the lapel and you know warm his way back into warm garden. You know, no pun intended there. Um, and then once he put once he put Marigali in his guard, and then he was able to sweep and get on top, Marigali kind of struggled a little bit because I don't think Keenan was going to have any of a. I don't think Keenan's ability to pass or, or his time passing Marigali's guard would have been any easier than Marigali passing Keenan's guard. But Keenan's up two points, mm-hmm. and that plays a huge factor in the game, you know, because Marigali knew if time ran out he was going to lose, so his attempts were far more desperate than when. Um, than when Keenan went for it. Hmm. Who is someone that surprised you the most this year? Surprised me the most? Someone you didn't see coming. Um, kind of a, not, maybe not even a new person, just someone who surpassed many expectations. Oh, um, Lepre, Lucas Lepre. I think he's one of the most underrated, underrated people in jiu-jitsu. Um, I think the dude is a beautiful technician. Um, I, I really enjoy watching him, and I've been following him for a long time. The dude's been around forever, and um, I don't even know if he's actually in the right age category either, 18 to 30. I think he's above 30. Um, but he's always fun to watch. The dude very rarely makes a technical mistake. Um, if he ever gets scored on, generally speaking, it's more a physicality thing than necessarily like a technical mistake, like he screwed something up. No. His matches are his performance is usually, you know, ninety five percent to one hundred percent perfect. Um, not saying that he doesn't lose; everybody loses, but um, but generally speaking, is is a physicality thing. Somebody that's explosive, or you know, or he's not you know quite expecting somebody to be so strong or fast. Um, he he had some very good matches. It was very fun to watch him. Um, I, I wasn't expecting him to win, not because. I think he's old or he's past his prime or anything like that. It's just a very competitive weight class. Mm-hmm. And there's all these new guys that are hungry for him to have footage on him. And he doesn't necessarily have the, that, that benefit. I saw him compete versus Valente. Yeah. That was, that was fun. Yeah. That was, yeah. That, that match I enjoyed. It was, he, he spent, I think the first couple minutes again, just trying to pass. Well, the first thing I noticed didn't pull guard. Because up until that point, all the matches I was watching, double right. guard pull, double guard pull, double that's guard a, pull. That's a horrible trend, too. That's another thing that I forgot to say. I, I should I took it as a given. Yeah, double guard pulling sucks, too. Which we'll talk about it when we get to Mikey and Bruno. Okay, yeah. Yeah, which I did see that one. But the Valente Lepre one, that I noticed he didn't pull guard. He was on his feet for the first couple minutes just trying to pass. He was working different angles. He... 
kept the pressure on for a while where I'm I was he had good stamina for right constantly it's exhausting when you're trying to pass someone's guard and you can't because Valente his guard retention throughout right. that whole thing was, I was tremendous. Very, I was very impressive with his flexibility and his coordination to keep his legs in and he couldn't deliver a lot of damage but man he was able to like to hold Lepri. Lepri is one of the I think in my opinion is like I said, one of the best guard guard passers in the game. He's got a great guard himself, but yeah. It was 10 straight minutes of Lepre trying to pass his guard, right. and it ended 0-0. Right. So he, I was, yeah, both guys, That's that was a, technically there'd be like a stalemate, but it was a very interesting stalemate because there was right. stuff happening. Lepre kept trying to stack him. He'd get close. He's almost passing. Right. And then Valente would would get get out he'd play open guard the entire time and both guys i think looked really yeah really I, th- good I think i think valente um should go home proud of himself you know i mean it, yeah he lost i get a second place you know but it's second place lucas lepre a guy who is a who is now a six-time world champion who is never an easy walk in a park for anybody and you're able to finish the match zero zero you know that that's that's an impressive from somebody i've never heard of valencia before he might have been around forever he might be known i I just particularly don't know him myself okay now you mentioned bruno and mikey Mikey. yeah so this before i watched this fight we had a group text and you had sent a clip from it yeah and before we talk about what happened the dynamics of it from just me, the uneducated person, seemed to be you have a new up-and-comer, promising guy. So he was competing against Bruno. What's mm-hmm. Bruno's last name? Malfacine. Malfacine. And Bruno has Bruno's been a, retired for a little while, but he is a... He's been retired for a few months, but it is like a... Oh, tenth. it's only a couple months? Yeah, well, he retired. It, I think it was right after Worlds last year. And I think he was last year he, he was 10-time world champion as a black belt, I think. So, a legend. Yeah. I mean, the dude is probably one of the best rooster weights of all time. What is rooster? I think it's a 125, I think, off the top of my head, please. Oh, they're that uh, light? Yeah. If I'm wrong, just let me know. Okay. Yeah. All right. So, knowing that, both guys walk onto the mat. They start to compete. Well, there's 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 a lot of there's a lot of history there. Um, Between the two of them? Kind of. I mean, you talk about Mikey and Bruno. You got to talk about Kyle and Bruno, right? I know... I know that Kyle's I don't know. his coach. He trains it. Yeah, Kyle is his coach. Yeah. Mikey's Mikey's coach. coach. Yeah, and and uh, I know that Bruno and Kyle. I, I don't know their personal relationship to one another, but I know that on the mats they're they're you know rivals, friendly rivals. I don't think this ever come to blows, but um, you know Kyle's another guy who fights at the same weight, who's also a legend in the sport. You know, Kyle's won you know a ton of world titles as well. Has he ever yeah. had to compete against Mikey? Well, Kyle? Yeah. No, my guess is they would, one of them would forfeit or close out. Um, and um, and Kyle has had a couple controversial matches with Bruno where at the end of the match it's 0-0 and it's argumentative to whoever, who won. And, and I think Bruno usually takes those matches, like he takes the referee's decisions most of the time. Because he's typically a little more aggressive um I, I think i think at that level you can make a point for either side i think it just happens that it falls to bruno's side most of the time um but nonetheless um 
so you know Bruno uh, beat Kyle the pre- right in the previous match. It was the the match right before he fought Mikey. He beat it's, Kyle. Okay, I saw that and and again it was argumentative who won that one because it was zero zero split you know, decision. Right, you know it's 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 a tough call, man. So I'm sure that Mikey. I I was remember just before we move on that one. Good example. Two amazing guys. Very boring. I think they Super both were, they both match, were penalized multiple times. Yeah. yeah. Um, so yeah, that was an example of people who you know have such a wealth of knowledge and can execute it to like near perfection. But yeah. when they come against each other, it's just two like immovable forces. Yeah. I mean, you get Bruno, who's probably one of the most dominant rooster rates of all time, against Kyle, who is you know a, a brilliant technician who they've competed against each other multiple times, so they know each other's games. And what we saw was what they could do to each other very little, you know. Um, so, I, anyways, I, I don't know what was going on in Mikey's head. I don't presume to know. But it, for the person that doesn't know the history, it's nice to know that going into that match, right, Bruno came out of retirement to win his 11th world title, just beating Mikey's coach. Mikey is coming in hoping, hoping to get his third world title, um, the first time at that weight, because I think Mikey fought at the weight above or the weight below. I think it was the weight above that one in the previous year. So the year before, did Bruno get that rooster? Yeah, okay. yeah. And I think Mikey dropped because Bruno bailed. I think that's how it played out. I'm not sure. Again, I don't. I don't know these things, but um, it, it's awful coincidental that Bruno retires and Mikey drops to 125. Um, anyway, so so Bruno, so um, Mikey, you know, I think going into that match had a lot. On his on his mind, you know, I think he he came in thinking, I want to be world champion again. I want to take out Bruno, who's a legend. Who who wouldn't want to take out Bruno, you know? And it would be you know kind of like the icing on the cake to be able to, you know, quote unquote, like you know, make you know, save the honor of the school or whatever. I mean, I, I don't know. I, who knows what goes into these these athletes' minds at that time? Mm. But. Um, I'm sure it was just a little bit sweeter, you know, a sweeter victory. But that match was, to me, that was the most obvious rule manipulation out of any match I've seen so far. In what way? Well, uh, how did the match start, right? Double guard pull. Double guard pull, that's, yep, double guard pull. um, So what happened after the double guard pull? uh, They were on their asses for a while. I remember Mikey had... Some pretty good. He was Imanari rolling a yeah, lot. But did you see? Did you see how um, Mikey scored the first two points? Was it a sweep? No. So you see, that's when like the rule manipulation comes in. If there's a double guard pull, the first first person to stand up or get on top scores two. So to stand up, period, off, off their butt, right? They got to get off their butt and and get onto the top position. They don't have to pass the guard. They just got to get on top. Now, the problem is those guys are usually so good that if you stand up from a double guard pull, which is an awkward position to stand up from, you get swept. So nobody tries that. Now, Mikey, however, he had just enough position to literally pop his butt off the ground, hold it in the air for three seconds, get his two points, and then right back right back down. I did not notice that. Oh, yeah. And, he, and, and they both, Bruno did that too. I think it was brilliant, like brilliant gameplay. Um, so Mike, so there's a double guard pull. Mikey lifts his butt, gets the two points. 
Bruno scrambles into an Ashigarami or single leg X for those of you that, that don't know, um, and sweeps sweeps uh, sweeps Mikey. And I think it was a the probably the cleanest sweep of that match was Bruno sweeping Mikey there, and then it's two two. So Mikey gets up again because they're still in that like double guard pull position. Mike gets raises his butt right. I'm gonna rephrase that. He raises his butt another two. So now it's four two. And again. No attempting guard pass. Not sure that he, not saying he wasn't trying, but he was very definitely milking those because every time he raised his butt, he would look at the ref to make sure he saw when the hand was raised and then his butt would come back down. Um, and then Bruno does the same thing. Bruno gets up, raises his butt, looks at the ref, scores another two. That Because the whole time they just kept creeping, it would go to Mikey, to Bruno, tied, right. to Mikey. Is there a time Bruno the butt tied. came up? It just yeah. went up in increments of two till the end of the match. Right. Right, and then, you know, um, so now it's 4-4. Four, four. Uh, so then Mikey starts to get up, and then as Bruno's trying to, you know, scramble into something, Mikey tries the bearing bolo, which was a, was a beautiful bearing bolo uh, attempt. And, and Bruno, of course, was very capable in keeping up with the speed of Mikey's bearing bolo and ending up um, kind of in a neutral position. The referee gave two points for Mikey because he technically you know, did get up on top for a brief moment and back down to the bottom. So then um, Mikey is on top still, and then they're like at the edge of the mat almost, which is something I want to talk about later, the the uh, edges of the mat. But anyway, so they're at the edge of the mat. Bruno shoots a double, takes Mikey down, out of bounds, gets the two points. They go back to the center, double guard pull. Now it's 6-6. Six, six. Mikey gets up again, raises his butt again, looks at the ref, 8-6. Right. And then uh, and then like Bruno is like stuck. He's stuck in 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 butterfly. He can't quite move. Eventually, he manages to to create enough momentum to do a butterfly sweep, which was a was a beautiful butterfly sweep. Very, very good. in like this misdirection sweeps um, Mikey eight, eight. <laughs> and then Mikey sweeps Bruno right back ten, eight. And then he just held him until time ran out. Mm-hmm. There's not much time left anyways. So I think... So it ended, I think it was 8-10, Mikey went ahead. Right. I mean, you know, they were sweeping. And, and again, the rules are if you fuse your legs, your opponent is up, you put them on their butt, and you come up, it's two points. Those guys were using that rule, like, expertly so. But they weren't really sweeping each other. You know what I mean? Like, you put somebody's butt down, they pop their butt up. You popped, popped your butt up, and that's that's you're not. I mean, those are not real sweeps, right? Mm-hmm. But again, it's such a high level. That's all they could do to each other, you know. Right. So they finish the match. The they it's over, and then what happens? So then Mikey goes to shake Bruno's hand, and Bruno, uh, you know, puts his hand out, and then you know does the whole like. Fake handshake, yeah, and then brush the side of my hair. Yep. Oh, pretty much. Burns. And, and I don't think Mikey appreciated that too much. And and for those of you that don't know, Mikey and his sister both. His sister also was also a world champion this year. This year was the first time that a brother and sister have won the the world tournament together. And both of them are in law school. So like Mikey is not your typical pro black belt world champion where they're training eight hours a day every day you know, like Mikey is going to law school. Did you ever hear why Bruno was mad? Oh, I have no idea. I mean, I have no idea. I mean, I can only imagine like the frustration 
nobody has stopped you in 10 years. And here comes this young kid. I mean, Mikey's 22, 24, something like that. Comes out of nowhere. And not only beats him, he didn't beat him. Like, it wasn't like a Lucas Lepre Valencia match, which is 0-0, and it could go either way. No, like, this kid came out and played your game as good, if not a little better than you, and ended up with a definitive two points ahead of you. I think it could be very frustrating, very, like, angering. And I think um, if you retired and you decided to come back just for shits and giggles just because you know that most people can't stop you anyways, and you came back and you tarnished that record, like, I, I think I think there's a lot of, like, yeah. you know... I think it's a lot of inner turmoil. I think he, I think he behaved the wrong way. I think he should have, you know, should have shook his hand and, and if anything should have praised him for being the new generation coming up. Um, but I, I, you know, I can't imagine what was going through his head. Well, they, at the very least looked like they were reconciling after the hands are raised because Mikey was very surprised. You could tell he looked almost at the crowd with his hands out and this like confused look on his face yeah. and they raised the hands after that, he, for the next 30 seconds, was kind of in Bruno's face, not yelling, just saying, what's going on? Yeah. And then they both put their arms around each other and were walking off the mat talking. Right. So hopefully they... Hopefully they, they make amends, yeah. They make amends. Now, was Bruno... You said you hadn't been tapped for 10 years. No, not tapped, but I mean, I don't think he's... I mean, maybe. I don't know. But I know he hasn't... The World Tournament, at least, he hasn't lost in you know, like 10 years. Okay, I mean, that was like, going to be my question the last yeah. time he lost. And yeah, at the Worlds, I, don't, I mean, I think he's won, I mean, at least 10 times. I don't know if it's consecutive, but again, if you win the Worlds once, that's incredible. You win a 10... That means in 10, 10 years. It doesn't matter how you spread him. All the same weight class, right? Yeah. You, in 10 years, it could be 2-2-2-2 two, 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 two with four-year breaks in between. It's still just as impressive as I got hit it consecutively. Like, that's an impressive, like, you know, resume. Yeah. I would, I would, uh, I would listen to what that guy said. Right. If, if, if he won that many. All right. So those are, those are some of them. What about, you had mentioned, I should watch Beatrice. Yeah. Bea is, is it Mesquita? Mesquita. Yeah. Mesquita. Is she Brazilian? She's Brazilian. Yeah. Mm-hmm. She is also a, another person who's been around for a while and mm-hmm. just, so she's like the queen of jujitsu, man. Like I know, I know like Michelle Nicolini was the queen for a long time. She's arguably the best girl for years, but man, Mesquita has, has just blown uh, Michelle Nicolini's like record out of the water. And that's nothing. I'm not down talking Michelle. I think she, she's still one of my favorite girl Fridays to watch. Um, but, but Bia, I think it's like, I was looking at her, her accolades um, earlier today. This year makes nine years um, winning the world tournament as a black belt at that weight class. Um, she's medaled, if not placed, if not gotten first place in the absolute a couple times. Um, she's won ADCC. She's won ABI. She's done. I mean, I mean, pick, pick a tournament that that chick is either placed or won. And and she's a savage. She's one of Leticia Hibero's student, who is also a great female competitor. Um, you know, or in in the early two thousands. Um, yeah, Bia is a savage, and 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 I I really enjoy Bia because, generally speaking, she submits her opponents. Generally speaking. She does not come to play. You know, she if 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 she can get on top, she'll get on top, crush you and submit you. If she cannot get on top, she will pull, submit you or sweep you and get on top and crush you. She is determined to win. 
I saw two of her matches. One was an absolute match mm-hmm. with uh, Nathieli or whatever. Jesus I, or yeah, yeah. Saw that one, and then there was the her lightweight one mm-hmm. where she. I think that was her winning. The yeah, she choked the girl. Two. Yeah. Did she choke her? I think, I think she beat I her nine zero. Oh, on that one. She, uh, was it the final? The finals nine zero. Um, it was Vaughn that she was against. It maybe it oh, wasn't. You know what? The final. I looked. I looked at a different match. Sorry. Okay. Yeah. So that one, the one I saw, she, yeah, went against the person. Now both of her matches that I saw, they both double guard pulled, and then the open class one. Right with Nathalie. That that's somebody who I didn't know. Like to me, she was. I think it's her first year as a black belt. She was very impressive this year. I was very impressed with her. Yeah, she. There's a definitely a size discrepancy, which obviously you're gonna get with that class, but. Beatrice lost that one, I think, by points, right? Yeah, I think I think uh, Bia was um, two nothing. It was two nothing for a sweep from from Nathalie. I noticed they both were using a lot of like lasso in that in that. Yeah, lasso fight. lasso is super frustrating, man. Like, I mean, we we've done it in class. I mean, it's super annoying to get around. It's super difficult. It's very energy efficient. Um, it's a good gi guard, you know. It was especially tough, it looked like, when she was being lassoed because with a longer opponent, right. it was so tough to clear those legs with your arm when you're mm-hmm. trying to get out of there. And so I, I could see that seem to so, be tripping so, around. So here's, the, here's how I watch these matches, right? Um, I try to watch them live when I can, but most of the time I can't. It's just it's impossible. I mean, I have, I have a life, kind of. Yeah. Um, but um, usually what I do is I take the champions, I watch the finals first, and then I trace those two fighters all the way back to the beginning. And then any interesting matches, I'll find who they who that interesting match was with, and then I chase that person down to the beginning as well. Eventually I get to everybody, right? It just takes time. But, um, so my first match watching that Natalie or Natalie, however you say her name, the, the newcomer girl, um, she fought this girl named Fernanda, and um, it was funny, because like, I had no idea who this girl was, right? She comes out obviously a long, lengthy girl. Um, she, double pull the double guard pull girl gets up scores her two points and then Nathalie's like no shits given for that sweep for the two point sweep puts her foot in her bicep lassos her the same way she did Mesquita keeps left her leg hanging out which is usually a poor thing to do because you can get leg locked not a care in the world sweeps her the girl tries to deck her leg that's hanging there takes her back chokes her it was a beautiful like combo and I was like, you know, maybe she just saw those other girls, that other girls' matches, and just was like, that girl is a slouch. I can't, you know, I, I was just walk right through because it looked very careless, leaving the hand, the the leg out there when you sweep somebody, being exposed to, to attacks. And then I saw her in Bia, and she did the same thing. She tried. I mean, she was trying for the last sweep, left the leg hanging out there. Bia was just smart enough to not attack that leg, and the match went on much further than 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 I think she was expecting. Yeah, do you think this is, is was she is she young? I'm trying to remember. I, I think I I mean I don't know. With with guys, if you have a newcomer guy, they're usually pretty young. With girls, it's tough to say. You know, when did they get into it? It's mm-hmm. it's we're getting to the point where we're gonna start seeing more young black belt girls. You know, nineteen, twenty, who've been training forever. But I, I don't know how old she is. I think my guess is she's mid-20s. Well, this year, how would you sum up what you saw in one to two sentences? In one to two sentences? 
I saw a lot of double guard pull. And I saw a lot of rule playing. What would you hope to see next year? Realistic expectation. Because it's not... Oh, realistic? Yeah. Oh, okay. it's, I know you'd say, oh, I'd love to see um, takedowns and submissions. So, so next year, what I would like to see are people winning matches with fundamentally correct principles and not based on rule play. And the only reason why I say that's a little bit realistic is because guys like Canyon, when he fought Leandro Lowe, I was very impressed with that match. Um, Canyon's obviously a new prospect. His first year as a black belt, he won. Um, he, he, um, he, his match with, with Lowe was very fundamentally correct. Um, oh, okay. I, I did see that one. Young guy. Young guy, strong. Lot like bleach yeah. hair. Yeah, yeah. Looks very strong. And I, and I think he was just as strong, if not a little stronger than, than Lowe. Um, you know, Lowe is an incredible guard passer, like an incredible guard passer. But but I think Keenan, um, Keenan um, got on top of Lowe. And every time, as an example, right, of the principles that I'm talking about, like every time he was on top trying to pass Lowe's guard, Lowe would reach up for a collar. And it's like, I tell you guys, don't ever let anybody hold your collar or control your head because if they do that, they control posture. Keenan would rip that collar off every time like I don't think Lander Lowe ever had a collar grip for longer than two seconds and then well Duarte got I know at least one takedown from a like collar sleeve yeah he just like dragged him down yeah. yeah and then he got on top of Lowe and Lowe couldn't couldn't do anything now Lowe is a super athlete and he managed to get up to his feet a couple of times and he kept like at one point he manages to get on top of of um of Duarte or Kainan or however you say his name and gets on top of him and they're in the same position, only in reverse, right? This time, Leandro is trying to pass. Who's a, he's an incredible guard passer. And Duarte grabs his collar, and Lowe doesn't break the collar. And that made a huge difference, because if you go back and watch the match, anytime Lowe reached for that collar to control the posture, Kainan would break that grip and keep a very strong base, very strong posture, and Lowe couldn't do anything. And then Lowe... You know, then when Kynan is in a bad position in the bottom and Lowe's trying to pass, Kynan grabs the collar and Lowe just leaves it there. Now, you know, it's Leandro Lowe. He can do whatever he wants. But it's a fundamentally, you know, flawed thing. You should never let anybody control your posture. And I think it would be great to see more of that and less of, I raised my butt and I looked at you. Mm-hmm. You know, and let me get my two points here. I'd love to see more guys winning with just some fundamentally sound movement. Do you think that can happen without a change to no, the rules no, that <laughs> no. I, we, what we can see is guys like like Hajir Gracie or Shanja Hibedo, guys like Kainan in that match with Lander Lowe, um, Bia Mesquita, you know, like Lucas Lepre with very sound, very fundamentally correct jujitsu, um, infusing that with athleticism and showing that hey, you can play the rules, but at the end of the day, matches just just a little bit better, and that makes a difference. Could are there just a couple rules you could add or take away that would change everything and bring it to you know where you want it? Yes and no. You know, like just supposed to be free, man. Like you're supposed to have like a free form, and 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 everybody's supposed to have a different style and and do what they want with it, and 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 see if their style works against somebody else, and and. 
in judo, they were having the same issues that we are having in judo now. Lots of stalling, lots of people, you know, trying to play the system. So judo took the the authoritarian approach where they said, no more of this, no more of these things, no more of this. And it's become very restrictive. So when you watch judo, one of the things I love the most about the judo is the, the non-engagement rule. Like if you grip a collar and you don't throw, I think it was with like five seconds, they, they make you let go or you take a negative, you know, because otherwise, because you can grab somebody's collar and stop them from throwing you. But if you're not doing anything with it, they're just going to call like non-engagement or non-combat no, no or something along those lines. Stalling, essentially. Mm. I would love to see that in jujitsu. But on the same example of judo, judo also eliminated all leg attacks. So like double legs, single legs, which firemen's, firemen's carries, you know, which used to be in judo have been removed because people were playing the rules. So then judo lost a bunch, right? It, it seems like we have to have a middle ground where we implement some rules to help the fight, not to help the rule set not be so easily manipulated, but not be so restrictive that we're changing the way people do jujitsu. Right. And st- forcing them to do th- silly things that right. don't make a lot of sense other than just trying to meet those new rules of, all right, you have to let go and try this. You can't set. Because right. then that takes away being able to set things up in the long right. game. Like when you go back to early judo or early jujitsu of your family fighting when they're younger, your grandpa f- would have fights over an hour long sometimes. Right. Right. It's not that he was playing he by was these rules. He was looking for he an was, opening. Yeah, he was yeah. looking for an opening and trying to set things up. And when you have endless time, you can play a very long game and right. try to set things up over a long period of time. Now, unfortunately, realistically, you can't have a world tournament where that, where no. that happens. No, but you know, um, I was starting to think like, over the weekend, as I was watching those matches, like you said, it's like chewing crack bus. Oh, Draculino. You ever heard of Draculino? Mm-hmm. Draculino is one of like uh, one of the, the top guys in Gracie Baja. Incredible competitor in his time. Has built incredible competitors under his, you know, overview. Um, super old school guy. Okay. And I watched an interview years ago, like I think it was like 2010 or 11, somebody asked him about what, what do you think of like the world tournament and double guard pools? That's when it was becoming very popular, right? The bearing bolos and stuff. And Zarculino is a very old school Brazilian guy, very like loud mouth and, and, and very, you know, confident in his ability to speak. And he says, he's like, I fucking hated it. It was like watching two spiders fuck, you know, <laughs> <laughs> you know, it's those. It's tough to watch. Even as a black belt, it's tough to watch those matches. It's tough to analyze those matches and, and, and the trends. Like it's it's and and it's. I feel bad for the commentators. I mean, they're trying to make make it sound interesting, and it's it's really tough. And and, and I'm not hating on the competitors. They're doing the right thing to win. You know, they want those titles. But man, it's it's so tough to watch. You know, I had a thought. So as I'm watching those matches this weekend, I was like, you know, how, how, how would I make it better if I was king of the world, right? And my first thought was, if a match ends in a tie, okay, first eliminate advantages. Nobody's fighting for that shit anymore. Let's say the match ends in a point tie, okay? Zero, zero, one, one, two, two, whatever, right? They're both disqualified. There's no referee's decision. Unless there's a clear victor, you're both out. Then I was like, well, if we do that, 
then when a person scores, you know, any more, any two points ahead, they're just going to stall. So I'm like, okay, how can I deal with that? Right. Cause I'm, I'm thinking, how would they manipulate the rules then? Well, I think we make it so that just like in judo, if you get to a position and you're stalling for 30 seconds, we'll take those points away. They don't count. So if I pass your guard, I'm up three points and I get to the side mount and I just hold you. I 30 seconds goes by. There's no warning. I'm just going to take your, your three points away because you're not doing anything with it anyways. Right. So then I think that would create a much faster paced match. And I think that would create much more submission oriented because nobody wants to risk the DQ. I like those rules. I think that would create a very ne- good you know, environment for a competition. You know, like if I, if I take you down, I'm up two points, you know, I pass your guard, I'm up five. I didn't do anything with side mount for 30 seconds. I'm down three points. So now I'm only up two. See, and then if you sweep me, it's two, two, which sounds great because there's referee's decision, except you both get DQ'd if it ends that way. Somebody's got to do something. Yeah. All right. Let's do that. Let's <laughs> create our own tournament and do it that way. We will. Can oh, you- by the way, if anybody steals my rule sets, I demand uh, royalties. It doesn't have to be a lot, just royalties. Can you create? <laughs> can you create a tournament and put a tournament on for hundred dollars? Could we? I'll put fifty bucks down. You'd put fifty bucks down and have and a whole tournament based whole on that. Whole tournament based on that. I don't think we can do that. No. All right. <laughs> okay. We'll have we'll, to work on that pitch. We'll work on that. Yeah, we'll get some sponsors, some silent investors. Well, so looking back on all this, we we talked some shit, but at the end of the day, there was still incredible yeah. jujitsu practitioners. I, I, out there. I think I, I don't. You know, my my issues with the tournament were not with the competitors. Or how they did the match. Yeah, because I would, I would, I'm sure do the same thing if I oh, was, in, I, I was if too. I was on that match. Yeah, I would too. I wouldn't do it any better than they did. Um, no, my my issue isn't so much with the competitors or how they fought the match, but rather with how the tournament and the rule set forces them to behave, and what that is causing to jujitsu, right? Uh, like, why is it that we get more submissions in in sub only tournaments than we do in points matches you know like oh because it's sub only well yeah but there's also 20 minutes there's more time to work so even if somebody stalls they know that eventually they got to move they got to work right and and in in the tournament that allows you to manipulate the rule set to your benefit that's not as encouraged you right. know why would i risk that yeah well unfortunately we can't have we could just go back to the day where there are completely no holds barred fights where you could have weapons and <laughs> anything you want. I mean, anything you want, anything you want that. that ooh, actually, hold on a second here oh, to God. wrap up the show. How about Jesus Christ? <laughs> well, we do a little role playing. Oh, my God. Again, again, man, get used to this. Oh, no. all right. So. Let me just set this up for you. You are, you're, to go with the whole. You're, you're already enjoying this way too to much. To go with the whole gladiator arena fighting theme. You're standing. It's dark. You can't see anything. There seems to be a hood over your head. You feel sand under your feet. And then all of a sudden someone tears this hood off and you're kind of blinded by the light. You're, you're trying to look around. You hear Rorus applause screaming and then as your eyes adjust to the light you see that you're in the center of an arena okay okay you're 
looking. There's a guard next to you, and he points <laughs> down next to your feet and says, pick a weapon. And then he walks out, uh-huh. and as he walks out of this gate, iron door falls down behind him. In front of you, you have a short sword and a shield, and you also have a large two-handed battle axe, and then you have a, like a spear. Uh-huh. Now, you're looking down, trying to figure out what's going on. You just have like a tunic on. It's like a prisoner's tunic, so there's no... Okay. It's not going to offer much defense. Okay. Um, and then the iron door uh, in front of you opens up. <laughs> a lion comes out. Okay. What do you do? People are... <gasps> they want to see blood. A lion's walking out, kind of also figuring out what, what's going on, uh-huh. and you're just standing there. You're surrounded by these weapons. Uh-huh. Wait, do you a choose a weapon? You get, or the, you? you get the spear and run. You get the spear. And run. Towards him or away? Away from him. Okay, so you're running, <laughs> which enacts in him an instinctual desire to chase you. Sure. Okay, so you're running towards, are you running towards like the far wall? Because far away from that line. Because you're in you. an arena, so there's a wall, and it's probably about 10 feet high, so you're not going to be able to just jump and clear this thing. So oh. you're kind of putting yourself into, not a corner because there aren't corners in this arena, but you're, you're taking space away when the lion's sure. closing in. So uh-huh. you're running, lion starts lunging forward, he's about 30 feet away from you. Uh, do I get to the wall or no? You're at the wall now. Oh, I'm at the wall now. Yeah. Okay. All right. And you have a spear in your hand. All right. So I turn on face the lion at this point. Boom. So he's running up, bounding right. towards you. He stops in front of you and throws a big paw with a huge claw. The thing is, is like the lion's arm isn't going to be long enough to hit me before the, you know, it's not going to be longer than the spear. Right. That's true. So you. So he, he's close enough to where I can hit him. That's right. So you. Jab? Are you jabbing at him? Or are you throwing the spear? No, I'm What's jabbing at him. You're not gonna throw the spear because if I, I'm gonna miss. Have you seen me throw? That's right. I hey, I this miss. is your world. I'm yeah. just. I'm no, just, I can't do that. No, so, I'll just. You know. You jab. All right. Yeah. You you as he's coming <laughs> down. Make that sound again. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't even know that I made the sound really until you said that. <laughs> that was great. Oh. I'm becoming the lion. You, clearly. <laughs> <laughs> so he's coming down with his paw. Boom. You spear him kind of right in the left shoulder he, he, he steps back uh-huh. the crowd's going crazy um as he kind of steps back did you pull the spear out of course okay all right you pull the spear out he steps back you didn't mortally wound him you just kind uh-huh. of made pissed him, him take you yeah. seriously uh-huh. pissed him off a little now you're watching he's starting to walk side to side nice. realizing just keep the keep the wall to my back Walt wall to your back now you feel on the right side of your face, boom, someone threw like a tankard of ale at you. A tankard of ale? Yes, because this is olden times and that's okay. what they would okay. hold and that's right. what they drink. All right. Hits you in the temple and now you have this ale in your eyes uh-huh. and you hear the line is kind of getting a little bit closer. What do you do? You're you're wiping it out, but you have about a second to act. Well, I just you know, poke, you know, throw the spear or not throw the spear, but jab the spear and hope for the best. You're just jabbing out in front of you, like just hoping to to get something. Yeah. Okay. Can't see anyways. Okay, so you're doing this, and the lion jumps in, scratches 
scratches. He he gouges. <laughs> I was gonna say, <laughs> just scratches on your shoulder. <laughs> no, his nails <clears throat> dig into your right shoulder, and they they do some damage. Your your arm hangs limp now. Sounds That's your like, spear arm. It sounds like I'm gonna die. It is now. <laughs> it, 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 it sounds like it. So you now look down, and someone threw a dagger next to you, and there's a little horn next to you. I don't know. What do you do? <laughs> it's it's a two-handed horn. So you, and it's a it's, what, what it's, is what exactly is a horn? <laughs> this horn. It's a long, like, uh, ornamental horn oh. that that has painted. Uh, lions on the side of it. Oh, okay. And then there's the dagger. No, I'm going to take this back. It's not a dagger. It's a two-handed sword. Because you can't pick both up. You have to choose one. Oh, okay. Well, I only have one arm. Oh, you're right. At at that point, I might as well just use the knife. Rewind. Uh, (laughs) It's a one-handed horn and a one-handed sword. Okay, I guess I'll take the sword. Okay, you take this sword and you... Well, I'm not going to tell you what you do. The lion is crawl is looking around it comes in hits you again other I'm, arm at this point i'm dead if it hits me again and my arm is gone like i'm already bleeding profusely from one side i, I think i'm just gonna die that's true so it gets your other arm and you are bleeding profusely and you fall down into the sand and it jumps on you it rips your jugular out and yeah, you're I'm dead. dead yeah not all stories have happy endings yeah, cool clearly no you could have <laughs> that horn had lines painted on it it was a magical horn. Oh, see, that was not in the description of the it item. It had lions painted on it. It was not in the description of the item. I can't tell you this. You just have to you have to make a decision. I don't know how this works. And you made the wrong decision. So that's, I'm sorry. It was a horn that you could have blown that horn. And you could have, this lion, much like in Game of Thrones where you have power over dragons, you could have hopped on the lion's back, just, leapt out of the stadium, and just ran off. Huh, so Who'd have thought? Just think about that the next time we yeah, play. Poor, These poor type of things are out. Poor there. decisions. Got it. Okay. Well, <laughs> that that is it for this episode. That's it for our role-playing episode. And we will talk to you guys next week. See ya.